Welcome to the Tough Mothers Podcast, where real mothers and experts tell all in order to empower you on your journey through motherhood. We tell it like it is, raw, vulnerable, honest, and completely uncensored, because that's how motherhood is. And we finally need to talk about it in the same way. I'm Dr. Jennifer Hacker-Pearson. Don't let the PhD fool you. I struggled with my transition to motherhood just as much as the next mum, which is why this podcast exists. So let's cut to the chase and get to the truth. Before we start, I would just like to say that some of our content may be triggering for some of our listeners and viewers. If you need help, please see your GP or check out our show notes for a list of support services. While advice is given during these podcasts, this is not intended as a substitute for professional medical advice. Neither the host nor the guests of this podcast may be held responsible for any action or claims in any way resulting from the information provided. Hello and welcome to the Tough Mothers podcast and Tough Mothers TV. I'm your host, Dr. Jen. Well, wow, we've almost made it through 2020 and what a year it's been. If there was ever a time to bring out and showcase people's resilience, it certainly was this year, especially for mothers. Whether you had your baby this year, amazing by the way, or you were homeschooling or anything in between, you are amazing. It really has been a crazy challenging year that has pushed us all to the limits and seen us all grow incredibly. The end of this year also signifies 10 years of being me being a mum. <laughs> and while this year has not been easy, like it has not been for most mothers, probably all mothers, I feel very lucky that I have three healthy children, including my handsome 10 year old baby who made me a mum. Here was also the reason I started writing my book, I Wish Someone Had Told Me, which in 2021, it's five year anniversary. It's being re-released with some, um, just a few changes and I'm super excited about that. Stay tuned to the end of this podcast because I have a very special gift for you. So I've been a mum for a decade now. I've managed to keep three humans alive for 10 years. Actually, I should say I have managed to keep four humans alive for 10 years because somewhere in there I have managed to look after myself and raise myself also. And it all started with this baby boy, the baby that made me a mum, the one that uncovered in me strengths I never, I had never seen and vulnerabilities I didn't want to show and the boy that helped shape me into the person I am today. If only his birth had been as lovely as that. <laughs> it wasn't. It was horrendous and traumatic, gross, and in all honesty, had we not been in a top-notch hospital in Sydney, we both probably would have died. My baby definitely would have died. So today, in honour of all the mums that have shared their stories on this program, in honour of my boy, and in celebration of being a mum for 10 years, I want to share with you my first birth story. It's the introduction in I Wish Someone Had Told Me, but today I will not only read it to you, I will also provide commentary as well. So hold on to your hats, get ready for some laughs, squirms and gasps. <laughs> okay, here we go. I wish someone had told me unspoken truths about what really happens to women during labour, childbirth and the first few weeks of motherhood, 
This is what it looks like. And I'm going to read you the introduction. Maybe I was naive, but I thought that a straightforward birth was the norm. You know the ones they show you at antenatal class. Breathe, breathe, push, push, and congratulations, here's your baby. Well, that was until my first little, in inverted commas, bundle of joy spectacularly and traumatically entered the world at nine pounds, two ounces. That's 4.2 kilograms to us young'uns. And he was 22.5 inches long, which is 57 centimeters. I won't even mention the size of his head, except to you I will, it was 37 centimeters. <laughs> it was a big kahuna of births, or so at least I thought. It all started December 22 at 4 p.m. My waters broke while I was placing a meticulously wrapped present under the Christmas tree. A lot of stuff was still meticulous back then. Nowadays, I can't even remember how to spell the word. After weeks of trying everything, and I mean everything, and it really was everything, to get this baby out before Christmas, his due date was the 16th of December, I resigned to the fact that I would still be pregnant on Christmas Day. Just on a side note, I don't believe any of the natural, in inverted commas, methods to induce labour really work. Short of guzzling a castor oil concoction I'd heard about, I did try it all. I really did. So if you have any questions, just drop me an email. <laughs> I drew a line at the castor oil because I was already miserable enough and the thought of vomit and diarrhoea without labour was too much for me to bear. After three late, and again in inverted commas, late, Babies, I am now a firm believer that your baby will come when it is good and ready. So anyway, here I was squatting to place the present under the tree when I heard a pop. And it really did sound like... <laughs> when you push your index finger into your cheek and push it out. From my many hours of research of Hollywood movies, I of course did not realise it was my waters. Weren't they meant to gush? While you're out in a supermarket or somewhere similarly embarrassing, clean up in R3, clean up in R3. Anyway, they did not gush, more about that later. In fact, I could have mistaken it for normal girly fluid had I not been so desperately on the lookout for a sign that labour was imminent. I called my midwife and I said, I think my waters have broken. She told me to put in a maternity pad and call her when it was full. Sure enough, I was back on the phone to her 10 minutes later. She asked me to come in to check that the baby was okay and there was no meconium or baby poo in the fluid. I was strangely calm and I remember this actually. I, I remember thinking of all the scenarios of what could happen when this baby finally came. This calmness was <laughs> not one of them. Um, and I even surprised myself with my level of serenity. Okay, I better get to the hospital. Oh, better call Hubs first. Still calm as anything, I called my beloved and asked him if he wasn't too busy, would he mind coming home as my waters had broken and I needed to go to the hospital to check everything was alright. And that's a true story. They were pretty much my words. If you wouldn't mind, could you come home? Really weird. Anyway, so I created myself a lovely garbage bag covered cushion on the couch, plonked myself on said moist throne and waited for hubs to arrive. Then it dawned on me. Something was missing. Wasn't I meant to have contractions? Where were they? Am I having them and I wasn't realising? Broken waters equals onset of labour, right? Where on earth were my contractions? Yes, 
It did occur to me for a nanosecond that I may be the world's first woman who's going to give birth without any pain, but alas, no. Although I have since learned I wouldn't be the first after all. Contractions weren't missing, I was not in labour, and I was sadly not super mum to be. Waters can break without contractions. More about that later too. We went to the hospital and got the all clear. Baby's fine, waters are clear, induction booked in for 6am if labour doesn't start naturally overnight. Well, as exciting as that was, it also meant that Hubs and I didn't sleep a wink. Actually, I think he slept one wink, but I rudely interrupted that. Apart from the concerto I was creating with my bum on garbage bag band every time I rolled over, the waters just keep coming and I had to protect my mattress. We couldn't sleep because we were excited, nervous, anxious, etc, etc, etc. Finally, at 3am, I thought I felt something. I went to the bathroom and back to bed. Back to the bathroom and back to bed. Into the bathroom and back to bed again where you, you get the picture. I wasn't sure whether I should wake Hubs to tell him what I thought might be happening, but I really should have scrapped that worry because my constant back and forth to the bathroom, never mind the piping up of the garbage bag band every time I lay back in bed, woke him anyway. I told him that I thought maybe something was going on, so we got up and had a cup of tea. <laughs> we really did. It didn't really take long from there. By 6am I was in sufficient agony and called my midwife to let her know I'd be coming in soon. She told me to come in when I couldn't breathe through the contractions. Yada, um, time went on, yada, yada, yada. Pain got worse, yada, yada, yada. Contractions three minutes apart, yada, yada, yada. Into car and off to hospital. This is where my worst fear came true. Or at least I thought it was my greatest fear. My fears have somewhat changed since becoming a mum. So please keep in mind, I hadn't given birth at this point and all, well, the majority of my pride and dignity was still intact. So really it was a silly thought to have, but after so many antenatal appointments in the hospital and having walked in and out so many times, I thought, please, dear universe, do not let me have a contraction in the foyer of the hospital. And of course I did. In the middle of the foyer, in what seemed like peak hour, there I was groaning and moaning. Oh, the embarrassment. Little did I know that I would look back on that moment as the catalyst of the day that stole my embarrassment for eternity. Most things that would have embarrassed me pre-babies now leave me very, very cold. I did make it to the birth centre, however, and upon examination was pleasantly surprised to be eight centimetres dilated. Woohoo! We're going to have a baby soon. Even my midwife said that she thinks that um, the baby would be born soon and that hubs didn't even have time to go back to the car to get my bag with the nice relaxation music, essential oils, blow-up pillow, string bikini and other mostly useless labouring paraphernalia I had amassed. So I laboured. I laboured hard. In the bath, on the beanbag, on the bed, on hubs. The last two centimetres really are the hardest. But I got there and a short time after arrival I was pushing my little heart out. I pushed and I pushed and I pushed. The problem was, I really didn't feel like pushing. But I did push for two hours. Nothing was happening. Things were getting out of hand. The baby was getting distressed. My midwife was getting distressed. Hubs was getting distressed. I think I was the only person not getting distressed. Or maybe I was and I was just too out of it to realise. My beta endorphins science here, which kickstart our naturally occurring painkillers, aka our best friend, were in overdrive. 
Couple that with a sleepless night and whoa, mama, where was I again? My midwife had obviously notified the doctors because things changed rapidly. In hindsight, I remember in antenatal class, we were told that if your midwife presses the red button in your birthing suite, there is trouble. Now, I just want to explain that a little bit. It, I, I kind of gloss over this because it was a very significant moment. It was like, that was like in the movies actually, where she ran up to the wall and pressed the button. I don't remember hearing any noises, but I just, I realized the energy changed and I realized that things were not good. <laughs> As instructed, I waddled to the delivery suite. The 20 meters took me about 20 minutes as my contractions tumbled one on top of the other. They seemed continuous. I was begging Hubs and my midwife for an epidural. She kept assuring me that when the doctors came, they would deliver the baby and I wouldn't need an epidural. Oh my, that was a tough hour. I was pacing, screaming, whimpering, begging, drifting in and out of consciousness. Finally, the doctors arrived. They placed my feet in stirrups and gave me a small local anesthetic in my perineum. That's the spot between hole one and hole two, or hole one and two and hole three. <laughs> exactly that one. Um, this was the only pain medication I had throughout this whole adventure. I wish they could have given me a massive dose to numb my whole body and let me go to sleep. At that stage, I actually would have taken a mallet to the head. The next noise I heard was the metallic clinking of scissors as two holes became one. So gross, but almost true. Not entirely, but almost. <laughs> I was still having very strong and frequent contractions and had the episiotomy, so where was my baby? He was stuck. They tried the ventouse, the suction cup, but even with all the obstetrician's might, and I'm talking leveraging a leg on the end of the bed and yanking with every muscle in her body, like in a bad comedy, the cup slipped off his head three times. She literally had one leg up on the bed and was pull. I could see she was pulling so hard and he just, he didn't budge. With forceps, they finally managed to safely deliver his head, but then his shoulders were stuck. As I said in the beginning, big baby. It was only a few weeks later once we had, we, he was safely in our home and the delivery was a not nearly distant enough memory that I found out he had a shoulder dystocia. Apparently it is an obstetrical emergency and often leads to fetal death because the head is out, but the rest of the body is stuck. I honestly only found out about this afterwards, which is probably a good thing. But um, so he was out and his head was out for a while. And she kept saying to me, just one more push, just one more push. And I think we did that about five times. And in hindsight, I'm glad that he was my first baby and I didn't know what was going on because that was quite, that was already quite terrifying without even really knowing what was happening. Anyway, back to the story. Out come the forceps. Holy moly, have you seen those things? It hurt more than anything else I've ever experienced in my life. It felt like they were pulling my legs out of my hip sockets. I particularly remember my right hip. With every yank, I thought my eyes would pop out of my head. It was excruciating. There are no words to describe how bad it was, but I made it. We both did. And hearing my son's first few cries was the sweetest sound in the world. To this day, I believe I was a split second away from a cesarean. I also believe that not having had an epidural gave me the ability to assist by pushing while they were pulling, but I'll never know. And I don't really care because like so many women before me, it didn't mean a thing anymore. Now I was holding my child, the most precious thing 
on earth. So fragile, small and gooey. Aww. Happy ending. No, as if. Unfortunately not. <laughs> After cuddling and feeding my boy for what seemed like five minutes, I, rushed, I was rushed away to theatre where I promptly received a spinal block to numb me from the waist down. Thank you very much. I could have used that a few hours earlier and was stitched new again. Don't for one second think that a vagina can sustain that amount of trauma and not suffer the consequences. In Hubs's words, down there looked like a grizzly bear had attacked. Luckily, Hubs had previously delivered calves on farms, so wasn't totally scarred for life by seeing what used to be his favourite place in Tatters. After I got back to my room where Hubs and our son were waiting patiently and the spinal block wore off, thanks again for the timely anaesthetic guys, I felt like a grizzly bear had attacked me. I suppose they don't call them third degree tears for nothing. But again, it paled in significance to our new bouncing baby boy. This feeling really was like they're described in the movies. I could not let go of him and even that night after Hubs had gone home to get some well-deserved sleep, I cuddled him and took photos of us. I posted a picture of him online, forceps marks and all, and the floodgates of birth and forceps stories opened. I didn't realise how many of my friends' babies had been delivered with forceps. I didn't realise how many first babies are delivered with forceps, period. This made me realise that the birth we learn about in antenatal class is as rare as, well, the straightforward, non-intervention, non-tearing birth we learn about in antenatal class. And I thought, I wish someone had told me that. Throughout the first few months after I had my first baby, I noticed two things. New mothers are willing and eager to talk about anything and everything related to the birth, no matter how personal, embarrassing or disgusting. In fact, they don't even need to know you very well to divulge it all. Except you have to start the conversation. And two, that many, many new mums utter the words, I wish someone had told me at the start of a sentence when speaking about their birth and postnatal experiences. I say mums. But I really mean me. I'm one of them. I told stories to strangers that hubs would die of embarrassment of. Hey, I started this book with the story of my birth firstborn's delivery, completely unprompted. However, in my opinion, mums deserve to tell their story. Birth stories are like a badge of honour. We're tough, we gave life, and we should all be encouraged to tell our tale, one truth at a time. And that was the first snowflake in the snowball that became the Tough Mothers podcast and Tough Mothers TV. It exists to share mum's true stories, not just of childbirth, but of motherhood in all stages and phases of our lives, because this is real life. And so we should talk about it. If you'd like to read more of I Wish Someone Had Told Me, I have a special thank you gift for watching and listening. You will receive a whopping 30% off the book price if you pre-order now for the new print run of I Wish Someone Had Told Me. These books will be sent out on the 1st of February 2021 and so the offer ends on February 2021 as well. Simply enter coupon code PREORDER, that's one word, P-R-E-O-R-D-E-R, -E -E at checkout to receive your discount. But don't worry. If you miss the date or listen to this episode a little bit later, I have something special for you too. Simply go to toughmothers.com forward slash ep11, that's EP11, to find your special discount code. Thank you so much for tuning in to the program. I truly hope that you can have a wonderful and peaceful holiday period after everything that has happened this year. We'll be back in the new year with some more amazing conversations. Until then, 
please remember you're braver than you think, you're more resilient than you think, and you are tougher than you believe. Thank you so much for listening. I truly hope these stories, insights and tips support you on your motherhood journey. For more support, go to toughmothers.com. Have you heard about Tough Mothers TV, the accompanying YouTube series to this podcast? Be sure to check it out at toughmothers.com forward slash interviews. And that's also where you'll find today's show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell all your friends and leave a review here or on my YouTube channel. Each month, I will pick a random reviewer who will receive a special Tough Mothers gift. Remember to hit the subscribe button before you leave so you're notified when a new episode of the Tough Mothers podcast is released. Until then, please remember, no matter what you feel, you're doing an amazing job. You are a true Tough Mother.